Hey, how's it going? It's Ollie here. Very warm welcome to the e-commerce freedom podcast. So just before we dive in, I've got two special new resources for you. First resource is a PDF with 15 smash hit products on it, ready to go. Examples of products you can sell on Amazon. So you can use this for inspiration or you can just see, you know, what types of products do really, really, really well. I've even included uh, revenue examples. So you can see the amount of money that each product is likely to generate on the Amazon marketplace. If you want to grab this free PDF, just go to ecommercefreedom.com and you'll see a link at the top of the page where you can grab the PDF. The second resource I want to give you is a free Amazon Accelerator call. The whole point of this call is for us to have a quick chat right? and uh, we'll gather up a little bit of information about your situation and together we'll develop a plan for you to build an Amazon business that either works as a side hustle for you or could replace your job and we'll take into account your situation, your experience, your background and give you a clear set of action steps to um, uh, go ahead and build the business. If you want to book one of those, go to ecommercefreedom.com, uh, go to the top of the page and click Amazon Accelerator Call. You can fill out a quick form and you can book the call. All right. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. This one's going to be good and uh, uh, enjoy it. Hey everyone, very, very warm welcome to another episode of the e-commerce freedom podcast. So today I'm very, very happy to announce a special guest, Stephen Pope, who runs a company called My Amazon Guy. So My Amazon Guy is an agency that provides all kinds of services for Amazon sellers from SEO to advertising to brand content to design. I mean, you name it, if you need something done. Uh, for your Amazon business, Stephen's the man. So Stephen, it's great to have you here, man. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Oliver. I appreciate it. Very welcome, man. So we've talked about a lot of topics on, the, on, on this podcast over the past few months. And one thing we haven't really touched on too much detail is advertising strategy. And Stephen knows this stuff back to front. So today, uh, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, namely, we're going to focus on what things you need to do to get any product to page one using Amazon PPC and everything that goes along with it. So, Stephen, I'd love to start off if you just tell us what brought you to building this agency. What happened in your life that made you think, you know what, I want to start helping Amazon sellers? It's, it's a great question, right? You know, I, you know, from a child, I was thinking about this, right? No, no, of course not. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I was a kid, uh, you know, the first thing I sold online, though, was a Magic the Gathering card, and I sold it on eBay. It was a sliver queen for the nerds out there listening to this. And, and it was really cool. I, you know, I put it in an envelope and sent it out. And I've just loved e-commerce my whole life. And over the years, I've been side hustling, like a lot of your listeners. And then uh, I've been an, an e-commerce director or marketplace manager for the last 10 years. And one day, my last job, uh, I was working for a lighting company and they, they laid me off. And so I was like, cool, well, I've been side hustle consulting for a few years. Maybe I'll start an agency until I figure out what I want to do or side hustle consult or do whatever. And so I'm in the laundry room with the wife. It's been 24 hours since the layoff. And she's like, well, how do, how do people normally introduce you? And they say, Hey, I know this Amazon guy. And I'm like, cool. That's the agency name. That was, that was the easiest part. And, uh, 24 hours after that, I made a LinkedIn post and said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to help some Amazon sellers and here's what I can do. Signed a contract 
uh, within the first 48 hours of starting the concepts and the rest is history. Hired my first assistant 30 days later and demand was through the roof. Good place to be right now. Selling on Amazon is an incredible, incredible place to be because there's so much high demand. Uh, it's a growing platform and, and seeing sellers grow is, is what drives me. My, my unique ability is to come in and look at data and analyze it and make a quick decision to pull the right lever to see, you know, what's going to do to grow sales. And my passion is to see that progress. So that's why I run an agency called my Amazon guy. Love it, man. So cool. I love how, um, how raw it was the way you started just with a LinkedIn post. And it's, it's great stories like that. Um, proves you don't really need to, to be too flashy to get things moving. You know, you just need to just take initiative and, yeah, like you say, I mean, you told me just before we had a chat. Now, how many uh, employees do you have now working for you? So I've got a team of 16 employees now. And we've, I've, I've been listening a lot to um, a guy named Gary Vee. And, and he's kind of changed how I viewed team building in the last three months. I've, I've probably listened to 40 hours of him. It's, it's insane how much content he's putting out. Uh, and, and when he first started his agency, he was given some advice and they, and, and they basically say, Hey, the employees that are going to stay with you, they're going to stay 18 to 24 months. And Gary said, maybe at your agency, but at my agency, they're going to stay five or 10 or 15 years. So the reason I bring that up is because that's what I'm grappling with right now is like, how do I invest in people? And, and all of a sudden I've realized I'm in the business of HR, which is totally, uh, you know, revealing to me. I, I never thought I would be in the game of HR, but that's, that's exactly where I am right now as we build internal processes to improve sales for our clients. And in, in most of the time I spend though is in HR these days, talking to people and helping them. I love that, man. It's such a unique approach to uh, building a company. I actually never thought about it like that. That's awesome. It's got me thinking. So um, today, however, I love, uh, although I'd love to talk about uh, HR and managing people. We're going to focus on advertising, right? And and um, uh, you guys do a lot of this. So so give me some examples. Like what what kind of stuff do you do for people you work with uh, to help them with the advertising campaigns? So advertising, of course, is the number one way to grow sales on Amazon outside of say adding hundred products. And when you add products to Amazon, you need to be advertising twenty four seven. It is the lifeblood to your traffic generation on Amazon. And of course, you want to get some earned media, some SEO and keywords to, to earn as many sales without paying the piper, so to speak, on Amazon. But in reality, it's the nature of doing business right now. Um, <clears throat> you can grow sales on Amazon by targeting relevant keywords to find the right customer at the right time for the right price with the right product. And advertising is the fastest way to do this. There's a, there's a bunch of general practices um, about how you go about doing that though, right? It's not just simply, I throw up my product and then start advertising, right? There's, there's obviously a lot more to it than that. Got to have your listing ready to go, right smack dab, day one. If you're going to advertise to your listing and you don't have more than one photo on the listing, you might want to pause that for a minute and think about how do I optimize the listing? You need to have a full title, bullet points, six photos. If you've got a trademark, enroll in brand registry and bust out a plus content. You have all of those things in place, then you're ready for advertising. And, and advertising is something um, that anybody can do. It's what's really awesome about seller central as a platform is that there's so many segmented campaigns and approaches that you can run 
that you don't have to be a quote unquote expert at it to get started. If all you did day one was throw up an automatic campaign and you spent five minutes, that would be valuable. It'd be very valuable to do that. And one of the nice things about running an agency from home is occasionally your kids run down. So you're here, my, <laughs> my six month old little girl um, running down and giggling here. That's so we have, a little, we have a little attendant here. Um, so, but, but, you know, kind of finish that intro of best practices thoughts. Um, advertising uh, should be done with, with one thing in mind. You're trying to get traffic to your listing. And if you get traffic to your listing, you're going to grow your sales. Uh, how you go about doing that, how you segment it. There's a lot of best practices and tips and segmentation strategies you can think about. But as long as you think, hey, I'm going to spend 10% of my sales on advertising, you're in good shape. So that's interesting, 10%. So is that um, a number that you've, you've seen as like an average over several businesses? Or is that something that you just aim towards as a benchmark? Or was there anything that... Uh, uh, made you think of that, that percentage in particular? Anybody who's spending less than 7% of their sales in advertising is leaving sales on the table, in my opinion. And then 10% allows you to grow the business. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you want to grow your business. So if, if you don't spend at least 10%, then you're not only leaving sales on the table, but you're not growing your business. That's awesome. So yeah, if you're listening to this now, and you're planning on budgeting or just figuring out some of the finances for your next import, 10% for ads. Uh, yeah, it's a good rule of thumb. And actually when I think about my business, um, for products that are up and running and moving, 10% makes sense. Like right in the very beginning, it's not 10%. It's like, it's a, a much higher percent of the sales. Um, so get, get launch strategy, totally agree, right? Like you're, you're advertising at a loss in the first two to four weeks, no doubt about it. Mm. Yeah, but it, it kind of evens out. So this is what we're going to talk about today. So what I'd love to do is for us to break down the process for somebody to use advertising to get their product to page one. So let's say you've, you've uh, you know, you, you bit the bullet, right? You've uh, gone to China, you've, you've placed an order, you've got 500 units sitting in the warehouse. You launch your, your product on Amazon, it goes live, and we know the story. Usually it starts out like page 500 or something, right? What steps would you take with the PPC to get to page one as soon as humanly possible? So you're probably going to need to pick three keywords that you think are going to do well for your product. And those keywords need to be on your listing, in your title, bullet points, etc. And And if you have a keyword that you're advertising on, but it's not on your listing, then you're missing the boat in my opinion. So advertising uh, is the fastest way to get traffic to the listing that we've, we've kind of established that. So if you want to get traffic to your listing, but it doesn't convert, you're not going to improve your rankings. So if you're selling a shovel, but you're advertising the keyword apple slicer and nobody converts, you're never going to rank for that term. Got you. So you, you've got to get clear about which keywords you're actually going for before you even turn on the campaign. Is that, is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, so there's got to be some relevancy to your target and your strategy. You need, you need to think this through just a little bit. Um, and if you're not ready to think through this, then go back to that automatic campaign and let that thing run and, and, and use that data to go figure out the rest of your strategy. 
So if you're not sophisticated at this stage to know, hey, here's my three keywords, just go run an automatic campaign. The data will tell you what to run. But, oh, if, yeah. you've, but if you are ready to be sophisticated and you're saying, hey, look, I'm selling uh, this apple slicer and I know that I want to rank for kitchen widgets and the term apple slicer and cutting apples. Let's say those are your three keywords. Then, then it, makes it, it makes it easy to figure out what to do. You would then do some um, various segmented advertising strategies. Sponsored products will be your best friend. If you don't have brand registry, you don't have access to some, some of the more advanced campaign strategies, headline ads or sponsored brands, if you will, as well as display. So uh, you'll stick to just sponsored products. Inside of sponsored products, you could create a lot of different types of campaigns. You could create an auto campaign, which Amazon chooses the keywords and they go out and crawl and look for the things that fit based on the content of your listing. You could create a brand campaign. So if you've created your own brand, have your brand terms there. A competitor brand campaign, this is the, the brand names of the top selling brands in your products category. That will be the lowest spend category, but it will have the, one of the better performing ACOS because it's already low in the funnel and relevant to the buyer. And what do I mean by funnel? I'm talking a marketing tornado funnel, if you will. When somebody first becomes aware of a product, they're high in the funnel. They're not ready to buy. They just become aware of it. The lower you get down on that funnel, the more likely they're ready to make a buying decision. The nice thing about Amazon is that most people who are on Amazon are already to make that buying decision. And if they're searching for a competitor brand name similar to the item that you're selling, they're already to make a brand or make a buying decision even further down that funnel because they've already decided, hey, I'm going to go buy brand A if you will. Um, many other types of campaign strategies you can build. Competitor ASIN, this is where you're, you're targeting specific product types um, and, and actually typing in the ASINs of those products into that type of campaign. Uh, a manual campaign that has highly segmented keywords and ad groups. This will have the most spend. This will be your biggest campaign. This is where you're going to put your non-brand keywords and you're going to consider how you do bid modifiers because you want to be at the top of page one, day one. So you might put a, a bid modifier of say 200% on that apple slicer keyword, and that will allow you to be number one slot. One of the things that people don't understand when they first set up their campaigns is that if you type in a, a keyword to a sponsored product campaign, such as the term apple slicer, it will not only show up in search, it will also show up on the detailed pages of anybody who has searched that term and then went to a product page. So that, that may not make a lot of sense without some visuals, but basically what I'm trying to articulate is just setting up the campaign is not sufficient. You also need to look at how you target or segment that campaign so it does the objective you're looking for. And you mentioned your objective was to be at the top of page one. So you're gonna wanna put some bid modifiers in place on those keywords to bid higher um, and potentially at a loss in the first couple of weeks uh, to get higher on, on page one. Um, and then rounding out those campaign types, you can do a defensive ASIN, which is your, where you target your own products. That's kind of minor and more advanced. Uh, and then sponsor brands and display um, are other types of campaign strategies as well. So that's, that's the campaign structure um, that I generally recommend. So there's, you mentioned a lot of campaigns there. Um, some of them completely went over my head. <laughs> I'm being completely honest. So what I'd love to know is like, let's say you've got a very limited budget, right? Um, let's say someone's got, I don't know, five or 10 pounds a day to just kick off with their, um, their, their launch. Do you have like a, 
I don't know, like a more, what's the most effective campaign to start with uh, when, when you're getting started and your budget's relatively low? You should make two campaigns. One is the auto campaign where Amazon's going to pick the keywords and you're going to set one general bid for that campaign. That's the easiest one to set up. And with five minutes of effort, you can have that ready to go. The second campaign is the manual campaign, which is the opposite of the auto. And you're going to choose sponsor product keywords to hit. And I would recommend that you start out with some broad matches. So if you're selling an apple slicer, you're going to put a broad match in for apple slicer, cutting apples, and maybe even the term apple. Now, um, so just that, three keywords. We'd literally just go for those three or would we have yes. a thousand or what's the, what's the best way? Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, back in June of 2019, uh, Amazon changed its algorithm to more of a relevancy-based scoring system. So in the past, I loved the shotgun approach. I would put in a thousand keywords back in the day. That approach no longer works. Instead, you need to be highly segmented and focused. And so instead of a thousand keywords, you, your campaign should probably top out at 20 keywords max. And, and it's completely sufficient to have as little as three. Wow. That's really and, interesting. And, and that will, um, there's, there's a myriad of reasons why that's the case. Uh, but all you need to know is that's just how the algorithm works today. Awesome. So that would be the first thing you do when you turn on the ads, you get the automatic campaign going, the very simple, very targeted, specific manual campaign with the broad match on the keywords. Um, but let's rewind a bit because before we even turn on the ads, before we even go live, there's some things you want to do to the listing, isn't there? Just to make sure it's ready, to make sure once the ads do go on, um, you're getting the most out of it. You're getting the keywords that are relevant um, and you're getting set up for all that SEO juice that you're looking for. So would there be like a checklist of stuff that you'd want to make sure your listing has ready before you turn on the ads? Absolutely. Every attribute that is public and visible needs to be optimize before you go live, ideally. There's what's called a, a honeymoon period on Amazon. In the first two weeks of your listing, you have the ability to show Amazon that your listing matters and that they should pay attention to it. What do I mean by this? That I'm, I'm basically saying if you bring sales to a new listing on Amazon, they will reward you for it. And they will do this by jettisoning your listing into the SERPs or search engine ranking results and, and show your product higher if you jettison them quickly. So if in the first two weeks you generate 100 units in sales, you're going to be far better off than if you did one sale a day. And, and so the more sales that you get in the first couple of weeks, the better. So advertising at a loss is a viable strategy for the honeymoon period. To do this effectively, though, your front-end listing, what the customer can see, needs to be fully optimized. So title should be close to 180 to 200 characters in length with your product name, the keywords, your brand name, and potentially the target demographic audience smack dab right in the title. Um, over time, Amazon's going to limit those titles down, and we've seen some of that. They're kind of pushing a 50-character title in the future, but right now, you can get new listings up, maximize that title. The title is the most important attribute on your listing. So if you can't get that right, don't focus anywhere else yet. The second is photos. Photos will sell the product. The main photo needs to be cropped correctly. There should be no white space at the top and the bottom of the listings photo or product. 
because your photo will look bigger if the photo is cropped correctly with no white space in the top and the bottom. I recommend you have six to seven photos on your listing. The main photos should be cropped just like we talked about and should show the product front and center so that the consumer can understand what it is. But just because they understand what it is, they don't necessarily know how to use it. So that's what the secondary photos are for. You might want to have a lifestyle photo of a person using it. So if we're talking apple slicers, you might want to have a 40-year-old woman who's got kids um, or a 30-year-old woman who's got kids um, in the shot where she's using an apple slicer to cut an apple and give the uh, slices of an apples to the kids. And that's called a lifestyle photo. That will help the consumer understand or put themselves in the shoes of using your product. That will improve your conversion rates. Other secondary photos can be used like an infographic, which has some text on the graphic to describe the top features. Maybe your apple slicer has a feature that nobody else does. For example, maybe it has a closing mechanism that helps push the apple after it's been cut out of the apple slicer. Many apple slicers don't have a feature like that. So maybe you want to tout that, put it in the infographic as a key feature. Uh, from photos then, um, there's many other photo things you could do, but those are kind of the basics. Uh, bullet points, make sure your first two to three words are capitalized in the front of all of your bullets. This is to allow um, speed readers who make five to 10 second decisions to get the gist of your listing. And then regular proper case um, filled out up to 200 characters per bullet point, full five bullet points filled out. Flush out all of your features, include keywords, target demographics, those kinds of things should be all over your bullets. If you're just getting started and you don't have a trademark or brand registry, um, you can't get A plus content. So instead what you should focus on is HTML, basic HTML in the product description. This is where you could include bolding, spacing, um, line breaks. There, there are three main codes to the product description, paragraph, break, and bolding. If you can get those in place, it will make your listing look a little bit prettier than the next guys. And you can simply just Google HTML for Amazon listings. And we have a page or a video that talks about that. I'll, I'll give that to you for your show notes if you'd like, Oliver. Sure. Um, so so that's all. those are all the main attributes to have in place um, before you go live. Love it. That's a really good summary, man. And so that means once your listing is going to be advertised, has the best chance of actually converting because the last thing you want to do is have a half finished listing then be spending 20 30 40 pounds a day on ads it's like throwing money down the drain you know because people are going to see the product and they're just going to end up clicking on one of the other recommended products that they see on the page that has a better listing so that's what to do first so you mentioned very briefly this honeymoon period and this to me to be honest hasn't really been something i've taken full advantage of so can you just talk a little bit about what the honeymoon period is why we should care about it and you know how it should work into our strategy. Yeah, it, it ideally is your way to train the algorithm that your listing demands attention. And, and if you want more attention from Amazon, which everybody does, you should take advantage of it. So when you're first uh, loading that listing to Amazon, any traffic that you can bring to it, especially external traffic, is highly beneficial. So if you've got a social media, if you've got five or 10 friends that you can say, hey, go buy my product, um, you know, don't game, don't game reviews, that's not what I'm saying, but like have them go to the listing and make a purchase because it does train the algorithm uh, to, to pay attention to the listing. And, and so Amazon will reward the fact that you're helping Amazon grow. You're bringing new blood to the listing. You're bringing 
Um, and, and your listing is converting at a high rate for a new listing without reviews and without social proof. So Amazon's going to test putting your listing higher in the rankings. There are thousands of keywords on Amazon you can rank for. If you get into the top 30 rankings of a particular keyword, you're going to get what I like to call earned traffic or earned media. And that of course is media you don't pay for. So spending lots of money on advertising and traffic in the first two weeks is highly beneficial because of that. And then it allows you to um, train the algorithm to reward you. And then you'll get additional sales from those rewards. And, and everybody's, you know, goal to sell on Amazon is to make a buck, right? We're all side hustling on Amazon because we want to quit our full-time jobs. We want to get a, we want to get out of the grind. And so, uh, you know, just to set expectations, Amazon is also a grind in its own way, right? But if you do it correctly, it's a little bit more scalable. You're not clocking up, you're not, you're not punching that clock, so to speak. And there's a lot of beneficials and lifestyle that are involved when you sell on Amazon. But there are a lot of things to learn. And that's why, um, that's why it's good to, to, to follow people like you, Oliver, who can help teach and, and, and train people on what to look out for. Because if you save somebody from making a thousand dollar mistake, it can add up pretty quick. hundred percent. I've certainly made my fair share of those more like $20,000 mistakes. <laughs> that's a story for another episode. But um, yeah, that's, that, that's so true, man. So this honeymoon period, right? I know when a lot of people hear about this, they think, well, that means I should never run out of stock then. Right. Cause what I, what I usually do is say to people, you know, first time you import a product, don't, order a thousand units day one um, because it can be a bit risky. What if you make a mistake? You know, what if you order a product that doesn't resonate with the market, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Test small, maybe go for 50 units first. So what happens then if we import 50 units, right? Uh, we start to get them to sell. And then maybe just after the honeymoon period, we've run out of stock. Have we just wrecked our chances of getting that earned traffic? I think it's a great question. And this is probably the segment where I'd like to say it's a good problem to have. <laughs> mm. and, and so this is where we talk about business decision analysis, right? If, if you're only investing in 50 products, your goal is to stock out, right? Your goal is to prove a proof of concept, if you will, so that you can go out and order another 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 units. So if you stock out, that's a great problem to have. And yes, there is a honeymoon period. And of course, it'd be ideal if you never stocked out. But if your business decision or if your business objective is a proof of concept, then the honeymoon period becomes a secondary objective, right? It's not your goal to rank the product as quickly as possible and stay there. Your goal is to sell the product however you can to just prove it's worth ordering another 500 units. So your business objectives will have to... Uh, you know, be prioritized in accordance to that. Now, if you do stock out of that 50 unit order, um, what I do recommend is go ahead and close the listing. And when you're back in stock, then you reopen it. Um, and that will help quote unquote, reserve some of the keyword ranking juice that you've earned through that honeymoon period. And then when you're back in stock, it, it can, doesn't always, but can resurrect quickly. And then treat your relaunch like a honeymoon period as well. So let's say it takes you two months to restock that 50 unit order into 500 units, then hit the ground running with a new two week honeymoon period in, in a sense. That makes perfect sense, man. I really, when we're really thinking about optimizing 
and really taking advantage of that honeymoon period, you really need a bigger budget for it, don't you? Because, I mean, we were talking just before we started about proper launches that really optimize for that. I mean, you need at least 2,000 units, don't you? So it's, it's not something you should even really worry about until the business is moving forward. You're doing six figures already. And, you know, 2,000 units isn't a stupid thing to go ahead and order, right? I totally, totally agree. I mean, if you're going 50 unit order, it's because this is a proof of concept uh, side hustle opportunity. You're not going to beat the corporations with a 50 unit order. Don't even try. So instead, focus on what's right for you and your business objectives. Love it. Awesome, man. All right. So we've, we, we've thought about these things. We've got our listing ready. Um, we've turned on our automatic campaign and maybe a manual campaign uh, together. Maybe we're doing five, 10 pounds a day. Uh, do you have any advice? Because I usually tell people, let's put the bid price really expensive in the beginning because we want to catch as many clicks as we possibly can maybe run the campaign for two weeks, get some data, and then we can figure out how to optimize it. Does your advice follow the same type of thing? Am I telling people completely the wrong advice or how does it sound? I, I think that's sound advice. Um, the data is, is gonna be how you make all of your decisions, right? And so if you come out the gate really strong with high bids, Amazon should reward you with some clicks. Um, now the nice thing is that most categories on Amazon, depending on what you're selling in, will probably average out to more of like a 50, um, you know, a half a pound or three fourths of a pound on average clicks. If you're in home goods, for example, um, if you're in beauty or technology, all bets are off supplements, all bets are off. Those are much harder categories, higher bids, et cetera. But if you're, if you're selling a regular home good item, which is a great category to start your business in, uh, then, then going high bids will, will get you to the, the top of search. Now, make sure you, 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 you make your budget go as far as possible. So if you set a, a daily cap of 10 pounds a day and you're hitting that 10 pounds a day by 9 a.m. in the morning, you're, you're bidding too high. And you could probably get three, four X the amount of clicks by lowering your bid and letting your budget go through the full day. Uh, but if you've got an unlimited budget and bidding really high in the first two weeks and you want to hit that honeymoon period, then by all means, that's the right method. Uh, but if you've got a limit, limited budget and you've got different objectives, then you should let the data make your decisions. Monitor your ACOS every day, lower the bids on words that don't work, raise the bids on the ones that do work, and make your budget go as far as it possibly can. Love it, man. That makes so much sense. Awesome. Okay, so we talked a little bit about, about how to get to page one. Um, obviously, a lot of this stuff depends on the niche itself, depends on who you're competing with. Like you mentioned, the category as well. Some categories are just way more cutthroat than others. Um, but if you do these things, hopefully this will get you closer and closer to page one a lot faster. Let's maybe talk a little bit about um, what to do to just maintain your position. Let's say you get your product to page one, you're making consistent sales. Um, I know in the UK, in some niches, you can pretty much turn off the ads for some uh, extended periods of time and still maintain your position. Um, um, so, I mean, do you have any general tips for keeping your your product high up in the search results once you're already there so you can keep getting that revenue coming in month after month? Absolutely. Always be advertising. Uh, make sure you always are, are, are keeping bids up, even if... Uh, um, and, and the only time I would turn off ads is when you're going to stock out. That's literally the only time. 
But if you're always advertising, even if you've got a seasonal item that only sells in Christmas, advertise it in the spring, just put on super low bids um, <clears throat> as long as you're in stock with it. The other thing is there's, there are keyword tools out there that you can use to figure out, you know, where your competitors are ranking. My favorite is Helium 10. Um, there's many others out there like Jungle Scout and, and there's like a dozen others. Um, go look at what your competitors are ranking for and then also compare it to what you're ranking for. Where are the differences? Where do you need to focus or change your relevant copy? Um, and then finally, if you're tracking your own keywords, as you get more sophisticated as a, a seller on Amazon, you're going to you're gonna want to focus in on the keywords that you're ranking between ranks 20 and 50. These are what I like to call the strike zone keywords. And a Helium 10 report can download and show you your entire keyword rankings by ASIN um, to show you where to go focus. The backend search term field, which we haven't talked about yet, is the number one area to focus your keyword structure. A um, couple of best practices. Make sure you never repeat keywords, have no commas on the back end of your search term field. There's 250 characters there. Uh, you also don't want to have any words that are in your title present in your search term field because it's additional area of opportunity for indexing. So what this leads you to do is it opens an opportunity to put in some new types of words like Spanish or French or German um, or misspellings. Um, and, 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 and misspellings are a really big miss on most sellers' parts, so that's definitely one to focus on. Um, and then if you're doing all these things and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I improve rankings on those keywords that I'm in slot 20 through 54? Every three months, go back, download that list, and redo your search term field. Redo the copy on the front end listing to try and increase your rankings on those keywords. And maybe throw a few more campaigns out there with those keywords as well. Love it. So, Stephen, you've given us uh, so many good tips today. Um, one thing that a lot of people might be thinking right now is, man, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so luckily, um, you can actually do this stuff for people, right? So why don't you tell us a bit about your agency, how we can find you just in case uh, someone, you know, wants some help uh, running this stuff. Oliver, I appreciate the plug. Uh, so my name is Stephen Pope and I'm the founder of My Amazon Guy. You can find us at myamazonguy.com. Um, on my, on my, my website, there are a myriad of, of great resources. We have a, a YouTube channel, a podcast as well. Um, where we have over 300 pieces of content to help you on your journey. So even if you're not ready to hire a PPC guy, you can go and find some cool stuff. Um, I'll give Oliver a link to some advertising best practices and segmentation that he'll put in the, the show notes for you, hopefully. And, and so uh, feel free to follow us and interact or go comment, our, go comment on our content. We'll definitely answer some quick questions for you. But if you're ready to hire us, myamazonguy.com, just click on advertising and we will be happy to give you a quote. That's amazing. Hopefully a lot of people go check that out and check out your content as well. Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today, man. Thanks so much and hopefully we'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks so much, Oliver. You have a great one.